Welcome to the Breaking Health Podcast, a series of discussions with the most disruptive CEOs and leaders in digital health. Uh, welcome to the Breaking Health Podcast. I'm here with Kamal Jafwani, CEO and founder of Decimal Health. Welcome to the podcast. Good to have you. Thank you. Thank you for having me. Appreciate it. I'm sort of a Boston guy. I mean, people know that. People know I'm a New Yorker, living in Boston, transitioning, having a business there. Um, but of course, you got the opportunity to uh, to work at one of the great, you know, great hospitals. I mean, if there's one thing Boston is known for is doctors and great medical facilities, great innovative medicine. Um, and then you, you ended up starting your own business. So I always get a kick out of the origin story of how uh, I'm sure your family was proud. You know, you were working in you know working, <laughs> working in medicine, and now here you are. You know, trying to put money together and start a business. So, so tell me how you got here. Yeah, thank you. Um, origin stories are always interesting. I don't quite always know when to start or where in my life um, it starts to get interesting, but. I think one of the most interesting parts for my journey was I started medical school when I was 17 and kind of didn't know what I was getting into. I just knew that medicine sounded interesting and, you know, smart kids are encouraged to be either doctors or engineers in India. So I chose the one that didn't have a lot of math right. and, um, and got into it and, and realized that while I was really intellectually curious about what I was learning, the, the, actual practice and when we got into that the actual practice of medicine seemed a little bit um unfulfilling i remember fourth year of medicine i think uh when we were doing you know practical work in in the actual patient delivery arena i would find myself attracted to like fixing the administrative problems of the place that we were seeing patients in rather than actually seeing patients right so it's like why is there a long queue let's fix this process issue let's fix the you know and um and took a bunch of ideas to my administrator and and they were like um you're training to be a doctor and that's what you should focus on so new fairly stay in your lane buddy stay in your lane <laughs> that's the way things happen in india so um but but realized pretty early on that there was more to it that I was interested in and didn't know quite why. Um, I was encouraged. I um, there was actually a, an incident that that took place in India um, around the time when I was still um, you know finishing up medical school, uh, where we had a series of bomb blasts and trains in in India, and unbeknownst to us, we were re we received about seventeen hundred patients that night in the emergency room in our hospital because we were the closest to the accident site and you know obviously our emergency room had 10 beds so trying to manage 1700 new casualties coming in rolling in all night um and you know out of either my uh, curiosity or out of a sheer lack of people somehow i ended up being the front triage person up in you know in front of our you know gates uh, outside of the ed figuring out how to make sense of the chaos and you know 72 hours later we had taken care of the 1700 patients um and a couple of days later we got contacted by the harvard humanitarian initiative to figure out how our hospital was the only one that figured out how to never not turn out turn away even one patient and take care of everyone and my attending was kind enough to say you know i don't know what happened but kamal was doing something in the front and you know something seemed to work um and that 
is when I, for the first time, got got familiar with the idea and concept of public health and and research administration or or public health administration, and and figured out that there was actually a whole field of medicine that focused on things that were not just clinical, but actually the the, the you know the design of care delivery. Mm-hmm. Um, and that exposure really got me interested in that, which led me to then applying um, to the Harvard School of Public Health and coming here for my MPH, and then finishing up my clinical. Um, training here as well at Man's Greatest Hospital, MGH. Um, and um, again, you know, the, my, I think my curiosity con- continued and I landed up on learning a lot about digital health while I was there. It wasn't called digital health back then. It was telemedicine. Um, I ended up on a couple of projects in that arena and just ended up falling in love with the idea of leveraging technology to improve how we deliver care for our patients. So once I finished my training, I started looking for jobs in that MGH, um, you know, or back then Partners Healthcare had a department called Partners Telemedicine that was looking for someone to come in and create a research offering or a research department around telemedicine. And that's kind of how I got my start and um, never looked back since. That's cool. And um, so, so how did you start the company? Like, yeah, so I, I spent over a decade at at, at MGB, um, and in in my time there, really focused on what what are some ways in which we can improve care delivery for our providers and patients. What are some tools yeah. that we can develop, use, whatever? Um, I worked on over seventy five different products uh, in my time there, and figuring out across eighteen different therapeutic areas, figuring out you know how we can improve uh, the provision of care, um, and learned a lot about what it takes to make something real and i would see a lot of startup companies you know try to do it and you know they'd come and pitch to us and i'd always be like oh my god you have no idea why we would use a tool like yours you have no idea what our problems are and you're just sort of developing in silos and saw that not just with startups but also with pharma companies and and med tech companies and whatnot and a lot of what we were doing at mgb was connecting the dots for these people, right? Connecting the dots between our unmet needs and their solutions and trying to tell them how to position themselves better so that they can help us. Um, so when I left MGB, I decided that that's kind of the the area that I wanted to focus on was I really truly strongly believe in the potential of digital health um, becoming the big transformation agent in, in how mm-hmm. we deliver for our patients. I'll talk about it in a, in a minute why I think that's true. But then I think that adoption and, and implementation is so weak still that unless and until we help hospitals become better consumers of digital health, we're not going to move the needle on this industry. So I got out and I said, I'm going to create a company that's going to help people better find product market fit for digital health technologies. I'm going to get these smart innovators to be able to think appropriately about what problems need to be solved, connect them to the right problems to solve, and then make that match happen so that we can we can um, magnify the impact that digital health can have on our delivery system. So that was the vision with which I started. Um, honestly, when I left MGB, I was a little bit, you know, just looking for my next challenge. Um, I was interviewing at a few large companies, and then the, the pandemic struck. And I was like, I'm not taking a job in the pandemic because who knows what's going to happen there. Um, A couple of companies reached out for some help. And I said, oh, you know, this sounds interesting. My vision was pretty clear for me and what I wanted to do. So I started Decimal Health. And I said, okay, you know, I'm going to do this for a little bit. I'm going to, you know, ride out the pandemic and then go get my big, big job somewhere else. And um, my... My approach was I, I reached out to 14 friends in the industry, people who I worked with before, pharma, med tech, hospital systems, startups, whatever, 
And I came up with a four decks, a four slide deck. And I said, help me figure out how I can add value to your business. Right. And those 14 conversations were just for like, help me position what I need to be doing. Uh, that those 14 conversations led to 10 contracts. And I had a million dollars in business in 42 days. And I'm like, Oh, this, <laughs> this is easy. <laughs> this seems real. There's something there. Um, and yeah, that's how we got started and, and haven't looked back since. That's cool. All right. So let's go back a little bit. Yeah. Um, I think digital health is a big, is a big category of ideas. Yeah. I think digital therapeutics is a more refined category of ideas. Mm -hmm. uh, do you agree with that? And then if, if you do, maybe you can help from your vantage point, tell, tell us what you think those categories, what do you think is part of digital health? And then subsequently, what's part of digital therapeutics and from your perspective? Yeah, I, I think of digital health as like the umbrella idea, right? Yeah. And if you think about digital health as a spectrum of of um, solutions ranging from solutions that might be, you know, completely okay or completely safe for patients to use on their own with not as a lot, not a lot of regulation, not a lot of oversight, and not a lot of impact, right? As one end of the continuum. And you think about the other end of the, end of the continuum as digital solutions that are um, that have um, significant effect or therapeutic effect or diagnostic effect. And they also are, you know, more heavily regulated, more heavily scrutinized. Um, if that's our spectrum, then digital therapeutics is sort of on that other end of the spectrum, right? They, they, are, they are the solutions that we are going to do a lot of work on, studies on, you know, go through the FDA. We're going to create, um, you know, or prove efficacy to be able to say that these digital health solutions actually have a therapeutic effect comparable to maybe pharmaceutical agents, um, either alone or in combination with, uh, where it might have an, have an effect that is studied and that is replicable. If you don't have those, you know, those are just your, your run-of-the-mill digital health solutions. And, and there's a there's a space for that in, in how we deploy and how we create um, solutions for our providers and patients. But the digital therapeutic side of the business is really evidence-based, valid, repeatable, reliable solutions that will produce a specific therapeutic effect um, that is going to benefit patients in, in ways that are very similar to, to you know, pharma, pharmacological agents. Yeah. So if I go back to one of the comments you made earlier, you said that you were concerned that um, the healthcare system wasn't necessarily scaling the availability of digital health. Mm -hmm. And the first thing that I connected in the back of my mind was, well, if you got a label, you could get reimbursed for it and then people would use it. Is that the simplest thought that comes to mind if it's a digital therapeutic has an fda label and as a result of that then you should be able to get reimbursement from insurance companies and medicare in particular but medicare medicaid and insurance mm -hmm. and then that's that's how clinicians will begin to scale this capability is that what you were thinking yeah so that that is true um and and theoretically if all those conditions are met then we should start to see scale but we haven't Mm -hmm. um, and I think that that's one part of the puzzle or one part of the answer. Um, taking a step back a little bit, right? Let's really think about the difference between um, digital therapeutic solutions and, and your regular therapeutic solutions, right? A regular therapeutic solution has a, an immense amount of um, um, sort of system 
that we've built around it, right? So we have formularies where we pick medications from. We have we are given education and CME credits and, and taught in medical school what to do with that and how to use it. We have treatment guidelines on how to use these, these agents safely, right? So the, my associations are telling me, use this as a second line medication, use only this much, here's how you escalate your dose, here's what you do for side effects, et cetera, et cetera. Um, and then I know exactly what's going to happen on the other end. But also when I'm prescribing a medication, that's all I'm doing, right? I'm picking from a formulary. Um, I have a pharmacist who might be able to help me, and then the patient's going and taking the medication. And then when they come back, I assess side effects, I follow my treatment guideline, and I, go, I move on to the next step. Digital therapeutics are not that that simple, right? A lot of digital therapeutics require me to have ongoing attention and action. A lot of them require me to look at data. Some of them might require integration into the EMR. Some of them might require uh, billing to be integrated with the effort that I put into monitoring the outcomes that come from it, because a lot of the billing seems to be tied to me reviewing the data and helping patients make better decisions. So the implementation of a digital therapeutic solution is very different from a pharmacological agent, which makes it much more complicated. But even before we get to that, we as physicians are not taught how to treat it, taught how to use it. We're not taught where it goes into the treatment guidelines. We're not investing as much energy in education and and uh, you know dissemination on that, and that we're not really helping them um, do it do so safely, right? Um, and a lot of those things become barriers because as a, as a physician. If I can take care of my patient with metformin, if they have diabetes or start them on insulin, I have standard pathways between me and my care team that know how to do that. Starting to use a digital therapeutic for diabetes is just like, I don't know why I would do it, right? So my philosophy around the success of digital therapeutics is it needs to fall into the sweet spot of something that is so important for patients or is in such high benefit to the patient that it would almost be unethical for me not, to not do it. And it's, it falls into an area where I don't have other credible approved solutions available, alternatives available, right? Take fibromyalgia, for example. I don't have a medication for it. But if a digital therapeutic claims to have therapeutic effect, I will use it because now that becomes my only solution for the patient. Um, and then the third thing is patient patient receptiveness and demand, right? I you know if, if my patient is okay with digital solutions, will receive it, will actually adopt it, will actually engage with it, then I'm encouraged to use it because... At the end of the day, I give out treatments to my patients because I know that the patient will will feel better, right, and will end their suffering. So those three kind of um, conditions, if they're met, that leads to probably a good case for digital therapeutics to be uh, adopted. Of course, in addition to everything you said, right, have the FDA label, have the reimbursement code, have those other things. Um, the last thing I'll say to this is, you know, you should look at the amount of money pharma companies spend on getting a new molecule out of the market, yeah. right? There is millions and millions and hundreds of millions of dollars invested in the research for it, in the deployment of it, in the field forces that go and talk to physicians about it, in, you know, med reps kind of coming to you and, talk, and, and knocking your door down. And it still takes over a decade for them to achieve appropriate or, or target use most of the times, right? Um that is what is going to be needed for any therapeutic option, whether it's digital or, or pharmacologic, right? And yeah. no one today, at least so far, has invested that kind of time and energy and money to be able to make these successful. All right. I have a lot of questions for you, but I want, want you to give us first an outline of your business before we end, the, end up this being a seminar on digital therapeutics. So, <laughs> so, so, so tell me about the business you founded and what business opportunity you saw and and uh, and you're and, and and what you're doing for uh, for your yeah. customers? 
Yeah, the the core the core offering within Decimal Health is sort of helping companies achieve product market fit for their digital health solutions, right? So we go beyond digital therapeutics, we, we address all of digital health. And um, our business right now caters to three key audiences. Uh, a third of my business is for startup companies. We um, offer ways in which we can help them achieve product market fit, right? So figuring out exactly how to deploy their, their technologies in order to achieve a meaningful outcome for providers and patients um, or pharma companies, for example. And uh, in that, we help them with identifying the right use cases, and we also help them with go-to-market strategies. So what segments to go after, who to commercialize with, how to get your regulatory pathways done, how to get reimbursement codes figured out, you know, really helping them with an approach to market and then access to market. Um, our, our second customer, that's about a third of our business. The, the second third of our business is helping um, health systems become better consumers of digital health. So we help health systems, you know, create their innovation departments. We help health systems deploy digital health solutions, and we really help them become better digital health agents and, and consumers because we connect their core organizational strategies to how digital health can help them achieve those strategies. And our final customer segment is pharma company. We help pharma, pharma companies uh, deploy and launch digital health solutions in the market, right? So we help them become the agent that helps them get adoption with provider systems. So at the core of our business is how can you connect problems to solutions in a credible way that's going to make business sense? How do we help you create value? And then how do we help you figure out transitioning that value that value into monetization, right? That's really the core offering. Um, and then obviously we've taken a number of different flavors and how we make that happen. And for that, do you become an equity owner in the business? Do you uh, generate consulting fees? How do you how do you work with the companies that you're working with? Yeah, our initial steps with companies is mostly our first steps is always um, sort of unbiased consulting, right? My okay. my strong belief is that in the beginning, the first eight to ten weeks, may you want to hear unbiased opinion of whether this yeah. is going to work or not, or whether this is viable, successful, desirable or not. Once we come up with a roadmap that we both can agree on then there's more options that open up, right? And in which case, we'll, if we're going to help you get become successful with your target audience, we might take commissions, for example, and an upside in your success. We might take equity. There's there's a lot of different ways in which we do it. But our first couple steps are always um, framed as a unbiased strategy consulting engagement. Very cool. Very cool. So what? So a little bit like an accelerator, but... Mm -hmm. You know, obviously, it's it's easy to say, yeah, I love your idea. Give me some equity. <laughs> Move on. <laughs> right. So the, the first step is to sort of say, we'll, we'll do the feasibility analysis with you. And then if you want to keep us on board after that, then we can talk about how we might participate in the benefit in the, you know, in the success of the company. Right. So as you sort of like think about it, um, where do you think that the great did? Well, first of all, where are the the great digital therapeutic. I'm going to start with therapeutics because that interests me a little bit because it seems like a higher bar and a and and a lot further along the you know show me this works continue. Yeah. Mm -hmm. So where are the where are the digital therapeutics that you're seeing coming out? What are they doing? What 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 value are they adding to the system and how are they doing it? Yeah, I'm seeing a ton of really interesting um, applications, right? Um, one set of applications that I'll talk a lot about is, you know, digital therapeutic solutions that are helping um, sort of take care of aspects of patients' health that your um, 
your core therapeutics or not, right? So take the example of like oncology, right? You, we put patients on radiation and, you know, surgeries and chemotherapy. We think a lot about their tumor size. We think a lot about recurrence. We think about those things, but 75, 80% patients will have cancer pain because of the treatment, right? Some of the treatment will trigger pain, some of the, you know, and some of the cancer will trigger the pain. Um, so in some cases, there are other side effects that are happening that are so damaging to the patient that they will stop taking the medication because those side effects are not manageable. Now, the, the, the flip side of this is we haven't really put that emphasis on our oncologists to be able to manage those actively, right? A lot of oncologists will maybe ask you about your pain, but then they'll really, really focus on the, on the um, cancer treatment that you're going through. So right. I'm seeing solutions that, for example, are coming out with supportive therapy that have therapeutic benefits, right, in those in those side effects or in those adverse events that, that are happening while you're on other other treatments, that because they're handling those side effects better, they end up having a therapeutic effect because you're now on your medications that you're supposed to take. You're, you're on them longer. You're on them more sustainably. You're on them till you can achieve therapeutic effect. So there's a lot of solutions out there right now that are sort of addressing things like that, which is a complement to your, to your initial treatment. Bear Therapeutics has a, obviously a really good example of that as well, right? Where they help right. you with opioid treatment, but they help you stick to your opioid treatment longer and 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 more sustainably. The second set of options is where you know either pharmace- pharmacologic treatment is not available or is not desired. So Achilles has a really good example where they have a video game for ADHD treatment, right? And with parents who don't want to put their kids on Adderall, how about we try a video game, you know, 25 minutes a day, five days a week for eight weeks and see if that helps and has an effect. And if it does, then you've just avoided, you know, giving your kid, you know, medicating your kid. So those are another, or fibromyalgia, for example, doesn't have a good treatment option. You know, how about a digital therapeutic that's giving you CBT, that's helping you understand and manage your pain better and and, and avoid flare-ups, right? So that's the second set of solutions that I like, which are, either where treatment is not desired or treatment is not available. And then the third thing is sort of addressing what I'm calling the access problem, right? Uh, And this is pretty uh, prevalent in mental health, where no matter what, you know, finding a good therapist and the complement for therapy and medication, et cetera, in the United States today is very difficult. And getting appropriate access to that is difficult. So there's a ton of digital therapeutics that are solving in very creative ways that are solving the access problem, right? They become the intermediary that's going to give you access to modalities that you would only get from a human being otherwise, but it's filling those gaps of access and it's helping a lot of patients get better. Um, And so that third category is what I call sort of bridging the access gap by providing therapeutic impact that otherwise a human would have to. Mm -hmm. So broadly, those three categories are interesting, and I think tons of solutions fall into those that I think would be uh, very successful. It feels like when I think about because I remember Pear. Pear was actually on the, sh- the show. God, it had to be almost like seven years ago, right? I think they had first gotten their first label or something like that. Um, and I was thinking, when I think about them, it, it feels like they all have a little bit of a, well, they all do it's all associated with behavioral change in many cases or behavioral modification or perspective change, like, you know, changing the way people think about things um, in, in a way that's um, enabling for whatever condition they're trying to either live with or overcome. Right. I mean, fibromyalgia, I don't know that you can overcome that, but right? I think you just got to learn how to live with it. 
Um, I would imagine it would be the same thing with, um, you know, with a lot of digestive disorders, right? Where people, there really isn't a pill to get you through it. Although we're getting better at that. Uh, it's, it's still not quite where it was. Right. Um, and that really is the idea, right? The digital system as uh, an ombudsman and a, and a, in a, in a behavioral therapist, um, that enables asynchronous communication to a clinician, but also has some content and algorithms or AI that's able to sort of interpret who you are, where you are, and feed back to you the lessons or the signals that, that you need to sort of get you through it. Is that really a good way to think about it? That's a great way to think about it. I think the one the one aspect just to add to it would be, you know, also the creative use of of data collection devices like wearables, right? Yeah. Because of the innovations in that, I today, you know, probably within ten seconds can find out, you know, your heart rate, your blood pressure, your whatever else is going on with you on a pretty real time basis. Right. Uh, and AI algorithms that are smart will use that data to be able to sort of really evaluate where you are and personalize their treatment for you um, and tell me things about you that I would probably have forgotten to ask you or or you would have, you know, maybe ignored to tell me or or things that might be important to your treatment that not neither of us thought about, right? Yeah. Uh, and, and those things are really interesting, whether it comes from wearables or whether it comes from environmental factors or whatever else. But I'm also seeing a lot of innovations happening in that data collection paradigm that are making some of these digital therapeutics really powerful. How how uh, how well does a pair, if I remember pair therapeutics, they were handling addiction, if I remember right. Uh, yeah. And uh, they were using certain game theory or game, game, gaming techniques. Mm-hmm. almost using the addict's weakness to their favor to sort of get them sort of addicted to something else, mm-hmm. if I remember right. Mm-hmm. Uh, and that seems really cool to me, and it seems like a great idea. Uh, luckily, I didn't need the service, so I didn't get to try it. But um, And it works, right? So they've done their studies, and it, it works. So how is that hap- how is that happening for a company like that or others? And And in terms of getting reimbursed and getting the actual clinicians to to prescribe really literally prescribe the therapeutic is it and and yeah. what's the next because i don't see advertising a lot for the stuff i'm just curious how it works how are they getting people to sort of use it yeah so bear has been a pioneer in the dtx space for a number of reasons and one of the reasons is that they have sort of led the charge in a way to be able to get us reimbursement codes, to be able to get you know the FDA to think differently about d- digital therapeutics, and and to really pave the path for a lot of startups to follow that. So so Bayer actually does have reimbursement codes that are pretty um, aggressive. So they have pr- you know pretty good amount of reimbursement associated with it. I think the place where we're seeing um, it fall a little bit is is a little bit of the timing issue, right? It's just yeah. going to take time for our providers to get used to it as a as a credible treatment option, right? To and and so much has to fall into place for this to work, right? Your organization needs to be okay with it, and and you know, for example, include it in the formulary and be okay with you prescribing it. Mm-hmm. They need to be okay with you being able to um, um, have 
um, you know, bill for the reimbursement codes that this organization or that pair, for example, is offering on that. And not all billing codes are right away available for all providers and health systems to use, right? Um, you as a provider needs to find out about it. You need to be comfortable with it. You need to have read the study and get okay with it. And then you need to find patients that will accept the treatment. So, so many things have to fall in place for this to be successful that I think that's kind of where we're seeing that the adoption or the speed of adoption is not where um, some of these companies would like it to be. Yep. It's, it's, it's interesting. You got you have this breakthrough digital technology and you've got to go through basically a hundred year old system to get it into the marketplace and get people to adopt it. Very yeah. cool. I, I mean, I could spend a lot more time. I know we, I know we have limited time, um, but very interesting business. I'm very, uh, very excited that you're, you're up and running and you're finding all these interesting ideas. This has been an area that I've been very much behind for a long time. Can you, um, so, so sort of a closing comment, uh, let us know, how do we get in touch with you? How do we find out about you? Are you on Twitter? Are you on LinkedIn? Uh, are you publishing papers? How are you getting the word out about your business? Yeah, all of the above. Um, 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 obviously you can find me on LinkedIn, um, on Twitter. I'm Kamal J 83. Um, we have a website. It's the name of our company, decimal.health, um, which you can find us pretty easily there. Uh, and I'm also at a lot of conferences. So I'm speaking uh, next week at HIMSS. I will be speaking at a pharma conference the following week um, at the E um, Pharma Marketing Summit in New York. Um, and then I'm also speaking at the DTX conference um, that is coming up in London in June. Um, but yeah, so, you know, if if there's uh, um, interest in really thinking about this, uh, I'd love to connect with people. Yeah. Well, come on. Thank you very much. It was great to meet meet you. And thanks for joining. All right. Thank you so much. Thanks for having me. Mm-hmm.